Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we are grateful. And we're thinking about it this time, Lord, as we express that thanksgiving to you for all you present before us. Everything from was prayed before for electricity and we have educations we can read. There are industries that print Bibles for us. Lord, we are thankful for all those things, little efforts that have brought us to a place where we can choose or not to pursue you. We'd ask that we would be those that do. And you'd honor that this morning, Lord. In your son's name we pray. Amen. We're looking at Romans 1. Notable passage, often turned to for the teleological argument for the existence of God, or where in the Bible does it say that homosexuality is wrong? You smile to yourself, or you smile very broadly, and you go, let's turn to Romans 1, shall we? Because we, Romans is such a powerful book full of quotables, you know? You, you like going there because it, it, it's got something for everybody. Even the Calvinists think they can have verses out of Romans. I mean, they got whole chapters they could go, well, Romans 9. And I could go, mm, Romans 8. And 7. But uh, those are all wonderful times of, you know, either Christian debate or enjoyment and devotional reading or realizations about sociological truths. I was talking to, uh, but I was talking to a young man, well, a youngish man, a few nights ago. Uh, wasn't from around here, and he was talking to me about a panic attack, anxiety panic attack he had had. I did not push him on the presence of the panic attack, but we talked about why, and. He was struggling theologically, he was reformed, but he was struggling theologically with the sudden realization of how awful, flat out awful, the world is. Have you ever suddenly woken up one day and looked around you and said, it is all wickedness. And what's not wicked is foolish. How long, oh God, will you allow? And you, you start, instead of going, Lord, have patience, you start praying for the judgment. Ever feel that way? I, I don't. You know, I, I see it, but I'm a futilitarian. And, you know, I, I expected it. And nowadays, and I'm, I'm thinking this, that prompted a thought in me that nowadays, if you have any kind of thermometer run into the internet at all, watching how Christians are thinking, they're wet in their pants. Because ISIS is going to crucify us all, I think, outside of town, within weeks. We know that bad things are happen, happening. We know that the wicked are deciding things in the courts of the land against our interests. Do you realize when I was in fourth grade, my teacher, Mrs. Holland, it was a segregated school, but she was black. Mrs. Holland, because the school expected it, led the class in the Pledge of Allegiance, Bible reading, and prayer. In a segregated school, taught by a black teacher, in Evans' youth in his fourth, fourth grade year. It's fallen since then. Now you can't even mention Jesus, lest some social justice warrior lose their grip on reality and need to be put into a safe space. Because they have to be protected from, oh my heavens. And they're winning that fight. And you got a suspicion. You, you say, yeah, there might only be 2% homosexuals, but I'm not sure the Christians are a bigger percentage. Stop, stop, and think about it. You know that Christianity and Judeo-Christian worldviews are bigger. But believers? Not much bigger. So I've been noting a lot of 
concern, shall we say. State of things. Collapse of the West. Europe seeming to be run over by, you know, the other religion. So I was looking at Romans 1 with that in mind. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith. To the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. As it is written, he who through faith is righteous shall live. Wonderful passage end of his initial argument in Romans. But I wanted to start with that because at least it was a positive verse. The gospel. Hey. But then he gets into it. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men who by their wickedness suppress the truth. The wrath of God is revealed. Sometimes you go, oh Lord, how long? When will the elements be melted as with fire and, and we will all be wonderfully raptured and our cars will careen out of control and people will be sorry they didn't believe then because your car, unmanned, is going to crash into theirs and they're going to get hurt because of the rapture. You have different views of how you're going to make this end of the world thing work really kind of slick. We're sort of waiting for that. Then you go, oh, but Lord, give them give patience. Then you go, too late. God's underway. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness. It's, uh, it's happening. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. You ever think that the problem is if only we had Jesus in the public schools again, or prayer, which used to be prayer in the public schools, then the mentioning of God or any kind of uh, disallowing of creationism, we, we want to go seize territory. And put stuff back. Remember we talked a couple weeks ago that, look, even the demons believe. It's not a problem of knowing. These guys know. The reason the wrath of God is revealed is because they have taken their wickedness and suppressed the truth. Not run around, un you know, clueless. Oh my gosh, I'm just really kind of ignorant. You think sometimes people who are agnostics are just not as brave as atheists. They just want to not be in quite a big a you know, fight in case they're wrong. I just don't know. What can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Any apologetic you run out there, you know, there's a lot of them, good ones. I, I like, you know, working on them and figuring them out and looking for opportunities to present them. But, uh, you know, it's not like, um, oh, somebody else asked me, do you th did I think, oh, there was the same guy with the anxiety attack. Um, did I think that God had done as much as he could do to convince man? No, certainly not. Of course not. There's all sorts of reasons not. He doesn't want you convinced. You've gotten enough to convince you. you oh, more could be done. God could skywrite it. As you drank your coffee on the porch in the morning, there's your name appearing in the clouds. One more time. Telling you to repent. Dang it. You just don't want to. It's not lack of proof. You're suppressing something by your wickedness. They have, and this is why the wrath of God is pouring out, because it's not, oh my gosh, God is being mean to people who just don't know. No, God is being mean to people who knew and decided to sit on it. It was plain to them, for God had shown it to them, ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature... Is that's like saying his unseen nature. 
I can't see it. Then he says, namely, his eternal power and deity, that you've got an omnipotent God. Okay? Things that you can't see, Godness and almightiness have been clearly perceived. You can't see it, but you can see those things. Clearly perceived in the things that have been made. This is not giving me, what well, is called the teleological argument for the existence of God. Um, people argue that about whether it's a good argument, but that's not so much the point. This is not offering you an argument to use. This is an argument that was used. It's already, it's already been fired over their heads. Jesus already wrote their name in the clouds as they sipped their coffee in the morning. They're without excuse now. Not they will be without excuse after you're done with them. They're without excuse now. And the wrath is revealed now. Clearly perceived. No excuse. Then he describes it again. For although they knew God, you ever think about presuming that? Sometimes you get a hint of it when you hear the comment, you know, the atheist you know, doesn't believe in God and hates him for it. You know, they have, they kind of, they run around acting as if somehow God has gypped them for not existing. And so they're mad at the God that doesn't exist. There's all sorts of confusions out there. Then they're comic, and we get to, you know, put up memes on the internet about it. But St. Paul is saying it's a, the, the knowledge is a, is a done deal. They knew God. How did the suppression of this happen? They've suppressed the truth that was in them. Because we know from the beginning, not only are you standing around looking at the heavens and the teleological argument, you also have the argument from design on logic and on ethics. And every man, every wicked man, will not want you to knock them down and take their wallet. They have an ethical objection to that. They don't just say to themselves, well, that was his opinion. It was sure nice for him to include me in his plans. I, I, I was not my opinion that he'd take my wallet, but he certainly held those views strongly. No, they thought it was wrong. They'll call the cops. They know the creation is out there. It disturbs them. They know that ethics are out there. It disturbs them. They need to walk in that world. They need to enjoy that world. They benefit from the, God's benevolence in the creation. And they benefit from ethics in the creation. And they benefit from reason in the creation. And they refuse to make the obvious, unless they're just gone full retard. They have no excuse. How did it happen? For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks. Give, give thanks to him. That was it. That was, you might say, I was thinking to myself, well, it's the Sunday before Thanksgiving, what am I going to do? How am I going to make this? Oh, the word thanks is in this. I can make this the Thanksgiving sermon. And truly it is. It's so absolutely important that you protect your mind with honoring God and giving him thanks. Not protect your mind by reading all the Josh McDowell books or all the C.S. Lewis books or getting all your apologetics worked out. That could be a hobby. I enjoy it myself. I like seeing those arguments and those evidences. I like being in those worlds. But the protection is honoring God as God and thanking him. But since they didn't, they became futile in their thinking and their senseless minds were darkened. This is what's, they're suppressing the truth. Their wickedness 
suppresses the truth. And claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man or birds or animals or reptiles. Idolatry. Idolatry shows up in early pagan civilizations because men have always, by their wickedness, suppressed the truth. And they saw the high God and the ethical God and the reasonable God and they chose not to honor him. And there's a hint here. I think Paul's really talking about idolatry. He lived in a society where you actually had to deal with idolatry. But the images resembled mortal man. So when, and remember this is all part of God, revealing his wrath in the now. This is... I don't know if you, you say, Evan, I'm not too sure about your futilitarianism. You seem like such a sad and dark creature. Go consider it. You know, I recommend it. It's very helpful. My wife, who is much more a utilitarian, um, sees the wisdom in futilitarianism. She recognizes that it was a real, you said, a real grasp on things. Suddenly, stuff didn't matter. It's rotten anyway. But here's another addition to it. That all the things that you're getting your knickers in a twist about on the internet, have you ever considered whether the chaos we're facing, the fall of the West, I don't like to see it. It might be the wrath of God. Because this stage of the wrath this stage of the wrath is of our own making. Okay? Therefore, verse 24, God gave them up. Because they were going to suppress the truth, in their rejection of God as God and their rejection of thanksgiving to him, he gave them up. To what caused that? each of us, you've heard me say this before, maybe incessantly and maybe to a point where it's becoming tedious, but we are who we are because we know what we feel and we care for us very deeply because we feel the things that happen to us. And we have lived our lives since we were babies trying to figure out a way to arrange the best possible world for me. How to make myself feel the best at the most ease and not be hurt as much as other people. And we become a self that is based on that governor loving that self. And God steps in, very obviously, in the creation and in your reason and in your ethics and says, hello, I am actually a bigger governor than you. And yes, I love you. I love you more than you love you. And you go, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. He said, I know you love yourself a lot, so I will command you to love your neighbor as you love yourself, knowing that's like infinite. But when we didn't thank him, but when we didn't give ourselves to him, he gave us to ourselves, gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity. First step, you decided not to honor that God or thank that God because I had a preferential God here at home. And you'll notice that when he gave you up in that, we ran to worship images of mortal men or less. Second step, their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. What I just said. You decided. We all decided. This is why we're sinners. We decided to serve the creature rather than the creator. And we get there. We get out of it by honoring and thanking God. We get into it by not honoring God and thanking God. 
serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. In red. Because Paul wrote it in red originally. Or my computer program allowed me to do that. Because sometimes when there's a waxing eloquent on some moment and Paul goes, Amen and Amen, or Jesus says, Verily, verily. That's just really, really Bible talk. But here, because the point is so central to this sermon, that when you exchange the truth about God, which is, in him resides the necessity of honor, he is infinitely powerful, and a God, right? Infinitely powerful, and deity. Those are the things that are clear, absolutely clear. We did not even respond. It's amazing because if I found out that, right here in the middle of my sermon, that somebody famous, A-list fame, was currently knocking on my front door, wondering how to meet Evan Wilson, A-list, I don't know who it is, they don't tell me who it is, but it's A-list. They're on my front porch wondering how to get in touch with me. They've heard about me. Man, I'm dropping everything. I'm going to cut this. The sermon does get shorter. Because i got to get up there. I don't know who it is. It could be Brad Pitt. It could be, I don't know, somebody more important than Brad Pitt, if you can imagine that. Oh, but... <laughs> But the infinite God, eternally powerful, who made heaven and earth, I, I, I am trying to find ways not to acknowledge him. There's a difference. Celebrities, I just get kind of stand in the same picture with a celebrity and take a selfie and put it on my wall. I get stuff. I get to be proud in my local community because I knew Brad Pitt stopped by my house. Brad Pitt doesn't have any rules for me. Doesn't rearrange who runs my life. He doesn't say, you know, I, I, I stopped by today to give you the list of things I want you to do for the rest of your life. Well, Brad, that was I gave up church for this. Thank you. I know you're famous, but I don't want to know you. As soon as the question of who's in charge here gets answered in the favor of the otherwise important person, we're looking for ways out of it because we really want to run our own lives. I always tell Al Geyer that this is that his, gonna, his legacy to the earth, his quote of, I want what I want when I want it, and I want it now. That's what happens. You will serve. But you were kind of wanting to serve. Because you found a God that loved you more than Jesus Christ. Who will coddle you because remember the God you want to serve feels the same sexual pleasure you feel. And rejoices in it. Feels the excess of alcohol and the satisfaction of stolen bread. It feels the good thing. Your God shares both the guilt, the justification, and the rejoicing in the things you take. For this reason, God gave them up. Do you notice this? The wrath of God is revealed. God gave them up and further gave them up. First, you have a religious shift. Even if you're not a pagan, even if there's no temple of Baal or Apollo anywhere nearby where you could go pretend that you're worshiping a god, but really you're just finding something that looks like a man. Worshiping humanity. But nowadays it's all honest and on the, on the surface. You're going to be with yourself Sunday morning. You're going to be giving whatever interest to you and your commands or are primary. You're going to be designing your ethical circumstance by really what you really want to see done. And because you're a good middle-class American with a suburban home, that there's nothing really wrong with that. 
We exchange the truth about God. It, which a couple weeks ago we were talking about faith and how faith was the pursuit, the discreet, interested, seeking pursuit of God. Everything less is exactly what the demons can do. So if I don't pursue God, when I don't acknowledge him, I exchange it and serve another. And the thing I serve is created. And so God says, okay, fine, knock yourself out. It'll be interesting to see the world you make where you serve that Lord. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Their men, their women exchanged unnatural relations for unnatural. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in their own person the due penalty for their error. Now, handy passage when you're talking to someone who's disagreeing with you on homosexuality, but this morning we're not talking about whether it is wrong or not. <coughs> but we want the echo of how we feel about the state of the world, the shameful decay that is happening to the West. The freedoms, the liberties, however you want to title it, being taken over by a tyranny of some ex-Olympian who gets his unit cut off. Because he wants to be a girl now. It's the funniest thing in the world. He got named Woman of the Year by Glamour magazine. Somebody said, might have been John, said to me, this proves that even being a woman, a man can be better. <laughs> Solidarity. It's the dudes, that's why we run things. And the question is, now does his gold medals, should they be transferred over to the chick category for decathlon? It's silly, it's shameful, it's folly, dishonor. Now, sometimes in Christian life, the warning is this. If you let yourself go in all the little attitudinal sins, you know, you're being angry, annoyed, impatient, malicious, gossipy. If you let your Christian life, because your, your Christian life has a very clear view. Okay, don't be unfaithful to your spouse. Uh, don't get drunk. Don't be a homosexual. What else? Drugs, lying, murder. Don't do those things. So you, you, gotta, you, you have got that work out. You're pretty sure that just the force of social behavior is going to keep you from doing the really bad things, and so you let yourself go in the small things. And we teach, and rightly so, that you let yourself unconfessed go on in small sins. Suddenly you're going to find yourself at the edge of a really big one. You won't know how you got there. It was all the small things. Here, Paul's dealing with the pagan. Paul is dealing with man as man. Man as unforgiven, not a Christian man. They did not see fit to acknowledge God. The primary urges, like sex, are primary. Okay? And the world of evil, the chaos that surrounds our misappropriation of ultimate pleasures. God gave sex as an ultimate pleasure. God gave a lot of food as, as ultimate pleasures. There's just all sorts of key, big picture things that they didn't have to worry about. We worry about getting led down the path to do something bad. They just start with something really bad. Idolatry and sexual immorality. That's what they're about. It goes the other way. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up. That's the third being given up by God. Verse 24, God gave them up. Verse 26, this reason God gave them up. And they did not see fit to acknowledge it. God gave them up to a base mind and improper conduct. Now the next thing, is, it seems like a 
less of a, you know, have idolatry and homosexuality already. We need to address anything more, for heaven's sake. Aren't these the real icky things, you know? People who bow down to other gods and, 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 and are weird. They were filled with all manner of wickedness. All manner of wickedness because what is going to happen? Once a person says, I've got these pleasure urges and these pain avoidances and I want to <coughs> have as much of those pleasure things as I can have and as few of those pain things as I can have, so I'm going to take every opportunity sexually. Whatever the nature of it. And I am the God, so it doesn't matter how weird or how um, insecure it is. But once I'm doing that, <coughs> my improper conduct, my base mind, has to have this, uh, this awful urge to have a consistent life. Do you realize how much of these things are driven by trying to make room for the big picture sins? All manner of wickedness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malignity. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. The world becomes that way because the commands of its God expect it. You have got to police your kingdom. Somebody's getting more of that good stuff than you. You've got to be envious. Somebody positions themselves in such a way that you could take it away from them. You have to be malicious. You have it when they don't have it. You get to be haughty. When you think someone is doing something that they shouldn't do because you want to do it and they get to do it and you don't get to do it, you slander them. All of these things, even disobedient to parents. Why does a little 14-year-old snot-nosed kid get disobedient and insolent to its parents? Because it's got some grand scheme of how it's going to do something better for his life than the parents are requiring. The parents stand in the way. You've got to, you have got to protect this wonder world that you've created called the Christianity of you or the religion of you. They know that God's decree of, that those who do such things deserve to die. Remember, you know there's a God. You know, let's add that to the list. Well, we, it's not really added to the because ethics. You know what's wrong. You were born knowing what's wrong. I mean, you didn't process anything. You didn't know what was down. You didn't know how to control your own bowels when you were born. But eventually, what is natural to you, you figure out. And you learn how to go to the bathroom, and you learn that God is there, and he knows what's right. You know what's right. Even though we know, we still not only do them, but approve of those who practice them. Well, that just sounds awful, doesn't it? That sounds like a little, you know, a church, you know, some Episcopal church. That the, 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 the woman bishop is up there in some sort of rainbow chasuble and, and uh, doing some little dance with the chasuble swinging and and celebrating our transgendered brethren. That's what it sounds like. I would never do that. I'm a good patriotic American. We have the Christian flag and the American flag. That's the only, you know, things that we need in this Congress. Well, we don't actually have that, do we? I grew up with that. American flag on one side, Christian flag on the other. We don't think we're in this situation. But Paul doesn't let us up. Therefore, you have no excuse, oh man, whoever you are, whoever you are, when you judge another. For in passing judgment upon him, you condemn yourself. Oh no, no, honest heaven, I'm not in that camp of those who would approve of those who would do such awful things like the homosexuals. 
and a few years, I could be arrested for being this clear. Just want you to know, if I end up in jail, I want you to visit me. But right now, I'm free to do it, unless you turn me in to the Wellness Committee of Moscow, Idaho, or whatever it is. Emotional wellness. We do the very thing saying, because you, the judge, in passing judgment on him, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, are doing the very same thing. I'm not doing those things. I'm not an idolater. I'm not a homosexual. I'm a little malicious. But that's really not the point, is it? How little maliciously I... No. It's not the point. I agree with you, it's not the point. Standard looking at that and say, yeah, you know, it's bad to be a hypocrite. Yeah, it's bad to be a hypocrite. The problem that is underneath this all, the wrath of God is being revealed because they did not honor God or give him thanks. He gave them up in a series of giving them up to pour out his wrath. (coughs) And if I point at the ungodly and say, that's wrong. You Christians, I look at them and go, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. I know you have a split-level home. I know you earn a good salary. I know your kids go to the best school in town. And I know that you have bridge night at your house. Whatever kind of polite society you exist in, And you might have strong views about the problems that disruptive behavior have to a society. And so you're a law and order conservative. And you believe that, you know, the worst thing that happened to Colorado is the legalization of dope. Because that, why do you think they call it dope? I grew up in the 60s. How can we say, because you, the judge, are doing the very same things? Because we are. When we do not choose to honor God or give him thanks, we do not face him with our faith. When we face ourselves with our faith, when we choose to serve the creature rather than the creator, me, even if the me is polite, even if the me fits nicely into an ordered civic society and doesn't disrupt things quite so much, as the really ungodly. You have just given them their permission slip. I've said this, I think, I don't know, in four or five sermons in the last six months. Anyone, any sin, is the excuse the horrendous sins have. You have just made it valid. You said it was valid to make a choice on the base of what I want to do. If you believe it's valid for you to make a nice, polite choice on the basis of what you want to do, against what God wants you to do, honoring yourself and not honoring God, thanking yourself rather than thanking Him, if you think you get to be sinful in the smallest way, you approve of those who are sinful in the worst way. Oh, you say, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Unless you want to be an irrational animal. If you want to be a rational animal, you have to say, if it's permitted for me to do what I want because I said I wanted to do it and I am the last, unless I believe I am some sort of solipsistic, the only creature in the universe, or the God of gods himself, everybody else gets the same choice and they just choose to be child abusers. They just choose to be Nazis. They choose to be slavers. They choose to be, you know, flamers. You've just approved of it because you approved of the policy that not the creator, but the creature. You have no excuse, oh man. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who do such things. Do you suppose, O man, that when you judge those who do such things, yet do them yourself, you will escape the judgment of God? 
I want you to think that it's not merely whether or not you accuse an adulterer of adultery when you are an adulterer. That's pretty dramatic hypocrisy. But when you accuse a self-serving man who has icky, worse, more disturbing, societally disturbing sins, but you already decided it was okay to go down that road, you're doing the same thing. Will you escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume upon the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Do you not know that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But by your hardened and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. This is, this is one of the ethical problems. We not only have our wrath revealed in the now, the decay of society, given over to this, you know, prospect more and more and more, and we approve of it to whatever degree we sin. Whenever you sin, at any level, you decided to serve your interests rather than God's. You decided that honoring you was more important than honoring him. That's it. Any sin, any time, you approved of this decay. Part of the wave of evil that is washing over it. And it is the grant that God is giving that is his wrath to us. The chaos, oh my gosh, it's bad. But there's also going to be a day when he will judge that we're storing up more wrath. Not only do we get to enjoy the fruit of what sin does in this world, that's a combination of God's grant and our action, but at some point he is going to be doing it all himself. When it won't be you, you might say, running about exercising your will. C.S. Lewis says that at one point, view of hell is that heaven is when we say to God thy will be done and hell is when he says to us thy will be done but there's a second tier of hell that's the first tier that was the, the hell on earth that's what he structures in the great divorce hell like a, a world in which everybody gets exactly what they want and so they hate each other nobody lives next to each other everybody is completely isolated but that's a great image, a great image, because that's what we're dealing with here. But there is a wrath coming. And Lewis hinted at it in Great Divorce when he talked about the coming night. It's this twilight, rainy place, this endless city, where no one lives with anybody else because everyone hates everyone else. But there's a coming night. I don't know much about it. There's a day of wrath that is coming. What you conceive of that to be, I'll leave that to yourself, but it's a day of wrath that he does. God's righteous judgments will, will be revealed. He will render to every man according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. Patience in well-doing seek. Not just showing up at church when you consider you got something on the line and maybe God would like to be impressed a little bit with you being in a pew. We're not trying to be on performance mode. Patience in well-doing. Never stopping. No matter how bad it gets in the West. No matter how many governments fall. No matter if Sharia law takes over France. Or America. Patience in well-doing. Because we seek for glory, honor, and immortality. To those people, he gives eternal life. This is the ultimate choice. He went back to the earliest part. Though he did not honor, did not give him thanks, were not pursuing him, the wrath of God was revealed. That's the chaos that we see around us. For those of us for whom this is the manner of life, Eternal life's at the other end. But for those who are factious, what does factious mean? The word, we get the word heresy from, but it's not about heretics. It is like that Lewisian view of hell where everybody lives in their own house. This is a religion, this is the state when there are seven billion gods. 
all of them deciding that it is okay, the most thing, most approved, is absolute subjectivism. Absolute, I am the master of my fate, the captain of my soul. Yeah, how's that working out for you? And how's that working when everybody else gets to be the captain of their fate, or the master of their fate, the captain of their soul? Well, I don't like it when, it, when they get to do it. What was it, uh, that some chick on YouTube was saying, I'm getting a little tired of all these people appealing to free speech after you had yours. You get really tired of other people having it. Yes, I imagine you do. Because it is seven billion gods, what a polytheism. All of them at war with each other. They are factious, every man for himself. No respect for God. And trying, the, and the word damn is used appropriately, trying damn hard to have it your way. They do not obey the truth, but obey wickedness. There will be wrath and fury. This is not a very cheery say. I was thinking about pumpkin, pumpkin pie when I came to church this morning, Evan. Thanks for preaching a cornucopia of uh, wrath. Not just wrath today, but wrath tomorrow. More wrath than you could possibly imagine. Thank you. Well, there's seven billion gods that have to be dethroned. There will be wrath for it. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. I like thinking of our God, Yahweh, as some nerds think of Cthulhu and the elder gods, the many tentacled gods, elder gods who come up out of the deep and seize and destroy the mind of man and everything is wiped out. Yeah, that's our God. Ours is the elder God. He is granting this behavior's fruit to the people who want it. And he's going to come in the last days and he's going to kick butt and take names. Both sides, Jew first, also the Greek. Jew first, also the Greek. And you say, Evan, you're used to it. You're used to your fertility and your sense of jaded opinion of humanity. Yeah, I am. I've been, I've been thinking it for a long time. But people think, how awful this is. My, my expectations. Sometimes I stand in uh, my bathroom surrounded for things for which I am very thankful. Indoor plumbing, toilets, hot water, tile. All of those things are wonders. I could stand in a bathroom for a long time rejoicing. And you want to extrapolate that of only tile, plumbing, and those things that they are a metaphor for could be expanded to the whole world. Why can't I have a life that is satisfying as a bathroom? Ruby Hodges was telling me the other day in the Far East, which is over there, she said, when you sometimes would hit a bathroom that had a toilet, that had a lid, that had toilet paper, it was almost an overwhelming sense of desire to weep. Because over there, people don't know what a toilet is for or how to work it. And you would find footprints on the seat. I'll let your imagination do the rest. But we're very thankful. We don't, we, but we cannot shape a world that is not the direct result of all of our factious urges wanting to collect our pleasures. Me, mine. Not you, yours. Me, mine. And we maybe get together with somebody who has similar pleasures and we create an interest group and, and a task force and a, and a riot to get ours. 
God's going to give us ours, the Jew first and also the Greek. Wrath or blessing? What are we going to do? Doesn't matter if you're first world or second world, Jew or Greek. What can we be saved by? And this is the answer. We skimmed over it lightly when we walked into this. I just wanted to repeat Romans 1.16 at the bottom here. It was the very first passage we read. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation of everyone who has faith. To the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. As it is written, he who through faith is righteous shall live. There is the power of God. It is not getting prayer in public schools or creationism or, yeah, if you want to have that, great. If people naturally prayed, but it's not fixing anything. The gospel fixes. Preach the gospel. If you want to be the insurgent for Jesus, the, the, the edgy person that is going to turn it around, now, you're the man of God, woman of God, who is preaching the gospel because it's the power to save. That's where it is. Nothing else will. They have got to. They know God. They have suppressed this. They are getting their comeuppance. They get the life they earned. Only them bowing the knee to Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel is. Is all these little demigods running around going, do I have to yet? Yes, you have to now. You have to get on your knees and say God is God. You have to get on your knees and believe the gospel. Let's thank him. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. Be merciful to us. In these hard times, we see many tragedies in the world. It might not be any worse than it was in the time of Paul. It might be better. We feel it, Lord. We'd ask that you'd protect us. Lord, we'd ask that the preaching of the gospel, the example of the saints, would be showing a path to peace that is ignored even by all the religious. We'd ask you that the gospel would be clear. In your son's name we pray. Amen.